1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 through to 3, 13, and that's on page 836. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of intense longing we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and gospel and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and will supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our Lord of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones. Let's come before our Lord God in a time of prayer and then think about this passage of two Thess- uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 3. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time now that we have to think about your word and how it applies to our lives. Lord God, we ask for humility to submit to this message and to change over time that we might bring glory to you. Please help us in this process, and we ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is what uh, one songwriter had to say about love. See if you recognise who might have written this too. Oh, love to some is like a cloud, to some as strong as steel. For some a way of living, for some a way to feel. And some say love is holding on and some say letting go. And some say love is everything, and some say they don't know. Perhaps love is like the ocean, full of conflict, full of change. Like a fire when it's cold outside, or thunder when it rains. If I should live forever, and all my dreams come true, 
my memories of love will be of you. Does anyone know who sang that? Yes, John Denver. And I grew up in a 1980s household where John Denver was played and I had the embarrassing experience of watching mum and dad dancing around <laughs> to uh, this kind of thing. Uh, but whatever else is said about love from this song, uh, John Denver's saying when he thinks about love and memories of love, he thinks about a person. My memories of love will be of you. But memories of love don't just come out of the blue, do they? They don't just uh, come out of nowhere. They come from having put in a lot of time and commitment, uh, forging a strong bond of love by going through things with people. To develop memories of love, people actually have to uh, pay the price, don't they, to actually get involved with each other, uh, and it costs them as they seek to look out for one another. Well, taking the romance aside and sort of moving you know, away from the John Denver feels a bit there, uh, what we see in this book of 1 Thessalonians is the memories of love that Paul, Silas and Timothy had for the church at Thessalonica. And that mem- those memories were born out of the care that they had for that church and the commitment that they made to those people. In fact, the tone of this letter reminds us that Paul, Silas and Timothy were very well connected uh, to the message they were preaching and and to the people that they were living their message out with. I was going to say in my preparation for this that we we can see that Paul's not an egghead. But when I was um, speaking this sermon to my wife, she looked at me and looked at my head and... uh, (laughs) Sort of thing. Maybe that doesn't quite capture it, uh, but he's he's not some uh, dry theologian writing dry ideas about God in an ivory tower, uh, disconnected from the realities of life together. In fact, we see that the language here is full of the personal touch, full of love for this church they've written to. So we'll pick that up in verse 17. The Thessalonians. Uh, out of sight but they're not out of mind verse 17 but brothers when we were torn away from you for a short time in person not in thought out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you when we recall the situation that Paul met up with his church in uh, there was trouble they'd gone to town to Thessalonica preached the good news that Jesus had died and he'd risen again and therefore he was the Jewish Messiah, the king who was to come. Uh, But the Jews got jealous that some people were becoming Christians and they roused a mob and started a riot with some bad characters. Paul, Silas and Timothy though were were too crafty and so they they couldn't catch them uh, and they were sent out of town at night on their way to Berea. And so as they think about, as Paul, Silas and Timothy think back to the situation where they they got separated from the church, this word torn comes to mind. The original word has actually the word orphan behind it. So we could translate it, since we were orphaned from you brothers. It captures this feeling of separation of parents from children. For example, when a parent might lose a child at a shopping centre, they had this feeling of, oh no, this dread. I can recall when we lost Ross at the Taronga Park Zoo. Joe came looking and said to me, do you have Ross, Peter? And I said, no, I thought he was with you. Uh, and then as we kind of felt a bit sick, we were looking around for him. 
Uh, we found him in the lost kids room sipping a orange juice. He was happy enough, but uh, we had certainly the feeling of where is our kid gone? Well, that's the kind of feeling these people had when they're separated. But they have strong feelings for this church. We see that when the separation's described in person, not in thought. It's actually probably better translated separated in person, but not in heart. It comes from that, that cardia is the word there, which we get cardiac arrest and from whatnot, you know about hearts. Uh, and so it's, it's a situation where they're out of sight, but they're not out of their hearts. But it is easy to have those experiences of out of sight, out of mind, isn't it? Uh, one only has to think about teenagers going off to camps and uh, forging some newfound young love. It's okay for a time, and then when they move back to their own hometowns, spanning hundreds of kilometres, the tyranny of distance seems to produce this experience of out of sight, out of mind. But that's not so of Paul, Silas and Timothy here. They've got a different kind of connection to this crew. Furthermore, Paul desired to be with them, but he was hindered by Satan. We see that in verse 18, if you're following on with me. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Well, it seems they want to get back there, but it wasn't so simple. Satan stops them. Now, I wonder, as you think about how Satan did that, are you a bit curious about how that may have taken shape, how Satan somehow frustrated their, their plans? As Christians, we recognise that Satan does have an impact on the world. Uh, and there are some circumstances which we seem to see his um, workings. And this is one that Paul, Paul notes. Satan can work through even the state. Uh, we notice in the Bible that the state sometimes does dreadful things to Christians. Uh, and in this situation, when Paul was at uh, Thessalonica, the city officials, their polytarchs, that's a kind of ruler of a few, few rulers, made a rule that um, because Jason and some brothers put up Paul and Silas and Timothy and showed hospitality, uh, they were dragged in front of the city officials and then they were told that they had to post bond, which means, like when you rent a house, you, because the people who uh, own the house are a bit worried that you might ruin it, you have to fork out some money to start with, um, which they can get back off you. And so Jason and some other Christian brothers put up some money as security, uh, which would mean that they don't get their money back unless Paul left town and didn't come back. And so I wonder if that's what's in Paul's mind as he thinks about the workings of Satan, that this state rule has come up, that they've got to pay some money so that Paul can't get back to town. Well, we're not told precisely, but that, that could be in mind there. But what about our situation? Think about your own life and the temptations that you might experience in life from Satan. What are the ways that Satan tempts you not to do God's will? How are you being tempted at this time of life? One of the um, challenges that Christians face is that there's a balance that we've got to have with Satan. On the one hand, we've got to accept that Satan does attack. Um, some Christians have the problem that they don't see Satan behind anything. 
they just rule him out and think he's almost like if you like a fairy tale that's not a Christian point of view but some some people can sort of head that way to not even be conscious of Satan the other side of the coin is that some Christians are so conscious of Satan they think that even Christians who are possessed by the Holy Spirit uh, can be possessed by Satan but the Bible reminds us that we can actually be fooled by Satan. We can give him more power, if you like, than he actually has. Uh, and so we're encouraged in 1 Peter to resist the devil and he will flee from us. So as we think about Satan, we've got to try to get the balance right, not to rule him out, but not to give him more power than he actually has. We can resist him. Well, we're getting the impression that Paul, Silas and Timothy certainly wanted to see this church face to face once once again and we're given more information about how valuable they are in verses 19 through the 20 as Paul speaks of them as their joy hope and crown for what is our hope verse 19 our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes is it not you Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Well, having been converted to new life in Christ, uh, these people are now already, if you like, Paul's hope, joy and crown. But he wants to see them there at the end of the day. He wants to see them persevere and make it to the end of the race. Uh, and at that time, he's picking up on this imagery of the athletes at that time where a runner receives a crown or a, a wreath as a reward for making it to the end of the race. And Paul's looking at on these people as a type of token for finishing the job that he's been given to do. He's been given this commission to preach Christ amongst uh, the Gentiles and the Jews, and Paul's going to receive this crown at the end. They're the evidence that he's actually done his job. I don't think he's boasting so much to say, you know, it's not as though it's, it's not God's work who's done anything, but certainly uh, he, he boasts in the cross of Christ, but he sees this as a part of the fulfilment of um, preaching the cross of Christ. Well, in application for us, how do we see the people that we are trying to serve? Uh, if you think about your family members, would you like to have an impact on them? Uh, to see that somehow over time you've proved faithful, that you see if people are strong in Christ in your family, they've made it to the end of the race uh, and that you've actually carried out your job of actually encouraging some people that God's put you in responsibility for. Well, you might be concerned for your family and that's a good thing. And let me encourage each one of us to to have that impact if we can to encourage our, our family to stand firm as Christians but for Paul it goes even just beyond our family he's saying there's a church there's a whole group of people they're not his uh, biological kids but he's concerned for them and some of the challenge this morning for us is to see the heart of Paul, Silas and Timothy that they've got a concern for God's people we can be concerned about our own family members which is a good thing but we also ought to have a heart for God's church and to see that we can actually encourage our brothers and sisters make it to the end as Christians as well. Well, in the next section, Paul tells us about some action that he's taken to get in touch with his church. We're in point two of the outline. Paul had plans for the church, the sending of Timothy. We'll pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 3. So when we could stand it no longer, 
we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. When Paul talks about this uh, expression, when we could stand it no longer, he's actually got in mind this idea of containing something. Uh, in uh, ancient times, people might try to contain some, some sort of uh, thing on a boat and stop it from getting wet and saturated through, and they're trying to keep the water out. Or the other way could be even if you had a, a vessel and you were trying to contain the water within it so it didn't leak everywhere. And this is the picture he's got. He's saying, I couldn't contain it anymore. Uh, and it's bothering him that he can't see how this church is going. Today, we've got a different situation, haven't we? We're so, con so well connected. Uh, we're sometimes busy trying to turn the phone off. And I recall um, when I was a kid watching the Jetsons, they had the TV screen and people coming up on the, on the screen of the TV and they were having a conversation. Did you remember watching that in the Jetsons? Yeah, am I blending with you here? Um, <laughs> and nowadays I have a, a meeting with some people up the coast at Coffs Harbour and Nambucca Heads to organise this Mid-Coast Youth Convention and we've got a laptop and we have our Skype set up so you can have four or five people having a chat there on the screen just like the Jetsons. Well, that's not Paul's problem in those days. They didn't even have what we call snail mail. He didn't have that very, very well working back then. Uh, and he, it's eating him up. He's, he's not sure how they're coping since he's been kicked out of town. And so he sends Timothy along to find out how things are going and also to strengthen them in their faith and encourage them. And this is a pattern that we see of Paul's throughout the book of Acts. He doesn't just go and plant a church. He sees the responsibility that he's got to try to maintain it. And so he heads back to the churches to encourage them and to strengthen them and build them up. He sometimes sends other people along to do that same thing because God's people need to be strengthened. They need to be built up in Christ. We all experience different stresses and difficulties. And we might not always be appreciated by the people of the world for our faith in Jesus. But God's had a plan in the past for his church to be strengthened and encouraged. And he has a plan for this church too, that we also strengthen and encourage one another. The very fact that we even turn up today uh, is an encouragement. Uh, you might not feel like you've got so many profound gifts or abilities, but that doesn't matter. The fact that you turn up is an encouragement to each other. Just a plug for the bush dance here. Even turning up to things like the bush dance is a chance to, or opportunity, chance sounds a bit random, but an opportunity to build some depth, to get to know each other a bit more. And it's through that knowledge of each other we can actually have a more meaningful connection on Sundays to encourage each other. We actually can build some depth at things like that. Don't worry, we're not a legalistic church. You don't need to turn up to the bush dance, that's okay. But I'm just saying it's that sort of thing which helps us build one another up, know each other and encourage each other. Well, Paul had other plans for his church as well. And um, one of those were that they readjust their expectations when it comes to suffering. We'll pick this up in uh, chapter 3, verse 3. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials you know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. 
as we well know as well, as we look through um, the record of Christianity throughout Acts, uh, we can see that Christianity had an impact on the world, but sometimes the world's response has been hostile. When Paul was at Philippi just before Thessalonica, he was beaten with rods, the lictor's rods, and then when he was in Thessalonica, he was almost mobbed in a riot. This idea that um, if we're going to have a, a faith that's living and active where we are different to the world means that we can stand out. We go against the, the flow, we, we are like trouts swimming against the, the current, uh, and as a result, there can be some persecution. And that's what Paul's experience was, and he wants them to understand that that's a normal part of a Christian life, if we are faithful. But he doesn't want them to drop off. And so we read in verse 5, he says, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Jesus reminds us that when the, the word's chucked out, the gospel is thrown all over the place, some lands on the path, and it's like Satan snatching it away from a person straight away. He doesn't want that for these people. And for some people it lands in rocky places, and, and they're, they're the ones who say, oh, I'll be a Christian, and, and they find some difficulty or some persecution, and they don't have any root, and that, that seed fails. Well, he doesn't want this group to be uh, in that boat where they have a taste of persecution and they fall away. I noticed that this can happen too. Uh, recently when I was at the Midcoast Youth Convention, I was asking some of the youth leaders where some of the kids who'd been from other years were. Uh, and one of the guys mentioned that, yep, for some of the pretty popular people uh, who were you know, doing electric guitar, air guitar on the kitchen table and things like that and were quite popular, they dropped off from church. Unfortunately, they weren't going to youth group anymore. Those people weren't going to find that by avoiding church and a connection with God's people, they were going to stand the test of time to be like some of the older folk who I saw in the 9 o'clock service who've been going for a long time. Those people who drop off are going to have a hard time making it to the end of the race. But Paul reminds us that this is a temptation from Satan that we might drop off, but he wants us to stand firm. Well, having sent Timothy and giving a few reasons why Timothy was sent, we're, we're given a bit of a taste of Timothy's report now in verse 6. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. In terms of a report back, this is about as good as it could get for Paul. Uh, Timothy's come back with this news that they've, they've turned from idols to serve the living and true God and that they have also a mutual love and respect for Paul, Silas and Timothy just as those guys have for the church. They're standing firm in the Lord and that brings uh, Paul some joy as we pick up in verse 9. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith? 
Paul began this letter with this thanksgiving at the start, which in, in, involved prayer. In Thessalonians 1 verse 2, he says, We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. And it's at this point where he's still really just coming to the end of that sort of thanksgiving as, he, as he's probably been thinking about these people, praying about them, musing over them. And he comes to this point where he talks again about prayer. How can we thank God enough for you? He's still just at the end of that thanksgiving. It's a bit like when we look at old photographs, isn't it? When you can see someone developing from being an infant uh, as they grow up and grow into some sort of maturity and you, and you think about that life and, and you can give thanks to God for the start right through to when they're in maturity. And I think that's what Paul seems to be doing here. He's thinking and musing about them and has been praying probably through this whole section. Finally, he closes with a, a concern for their long-term steadfastness. He certainly uh, wants to come and see them face to face, as we see in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. So he's keen to see them face to face. But then he wants them to have a, a love that's overflowing for each other. And he wants them to be strong, to stand, it to, to stand as Christians when Jesus returns again. Well, the take-home message for us is that Paul, Silas and Timothy have a great love for God. And that love that they've got for God is shown in their actions, that they also love God's people. They've got a handle on what's critical in life, uh, that God's people stand firm and hang in there, holding on to Jesus and the message of his work on our behalf. That's what... Paul wants these people to be firm in. Earlier when I sang that, uh, I didn't quite sing the John Denver song, but I, I recapped the words of perhaps love. He says, I, If I should live forever and all my dreams come true, my memories of love will be of you. It sounds nice, doesn't it? But the irony of this uh, word in those songs is the person who wrote that, I think, had three separate wives. So he kept sort of changing over over time. It's sort of a little bit empty, really. But what we've got to have is something a bit better than that, where we do have some genuine depth and love for God's people uh, that doesn't just sort of fold but spans, spans the time. Well, may God strengthen us to love him and to love his people. Let's pray for that. Let's pray now. Lord God, we thank you for this time we've had to think about uh, this message from 1 Thessalonians where we can peep into Paul's life and Silas and Timothy and see how much energy and love they had for you and how that translated into their concern for your people. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to have a heart also not only for our own families and the people that we're in touch with meaningfully, but certainly to go beyond that and to have a heart to encourage your people to be strengthened in Christ, uh, firm in their assurance of life with you through his work, and also that we might encourage our Christian brothers and sisters to stand firm to the end. Thank you that we um, have a responsibility towards each other and that we can expect to be encouraged by each other as well. And we thank you for this time we have this morning uh, to think about these things and, and put that into action. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.